Companies are always faced with challenges in trying to find effective ways of communicating with their stakeholders, and in particular, their internal stakeholders. Challenges such as diversity, employees in different sites, and of course, the most recent challenge, COVID. So companies are trying to find innovative ways to not only reach their various stakeholders, but also to make communication interesting and fun. I mean, the days of the email with that tired pie chart just no longer appeals to anybody. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Gill, who has for the last 20 years been bringing out the most creative and effective and interesting methods to communicate with particularly internal stakeholders. Sarah and the company she's been working with has an impressive client base. She's worked with big names in several industries, ranging from mining companies to banking, property, retail, and many others. So she certainly comes with huge credentials and a lot of experience when it comes to communicating with internal stakeholders. Sarah, you and your company, Blue Moon, have been doing a lot of communication to internal stakeholders. What makes your communication company different to other communication companies out there? Hi, Vanessa. Well, Blue Moon's been around a very long time, for over 30 years, in fact, and started off as a corporate video company. It was the first company to introduce industrial theatre into South Africa. And I think it's that base, which ultimately is storytelling as at its purest, that um, has carried us through the last 30 years and impacted every form of communication that we've done ever since then. Theatre is storytelling. Theatre is characters. Theatre is people that your audience can identify with laugh at, cry with, and and so on. Um, So when you bring in corporate messaging, you're hopefully giving people something to identify with and and, uh, before you even start hammering home a message. Because ultimately, we're working in the corporate space. We are communicating business messaging to people, but we try to do it in a fun and engaging way that, that makes it meaningful. That sounds very interesting. Could you tell us how do you go about putting a theatre type of communication production together? What's involved? Who gets involved? So from a corporate point of view, obviously the client briefs us, they have a need, there's something that they want their employees to understand, and it could be across many, many levels of an organisation, from executive level to middle management, right down to factory workers and cleaners, and you've got to find a way of engaging all of those internal stakeholders, no matter where they're located, what their demographic, what their education background, and so on. And that's part of the reason why theatre works so well. As you mentioned, everyone's sick of email. We Mm. still use it a lot. We have to use it, and it's still the fastest, quickest way to get a message out when it's urgent, when it needs to be, or to support other forms of communication. But the theatre itself when we do it, really changes people's hearts and minds most effectively. A million years ago, we had retail group Edcon as a client, and it was one of our earliest employee engagement accounts. And we partnered with them to formulate their new values, make them simple, make them accessible, and so on. And we did huge, huge roadshows around the country to 20,000 staff. And one of the moments I remember most clearly was we brought tubing, like drumming, but tubing, Mm -hmm. into the event and the corporate messaging happened and the CEO spoke and we had some performers and so on. And then we took everybody into this tubing session to show people 
how things worked separately and how they were capable of doing something new separately and what happened in its purest form when everyone came together and the wonderful music and the wonderful sound that they made. And for me, I mean, this literally was 20 years ago, 3,000 people in a Gallagher State Hall all on their feet making music together in harmony and at the end of it erupting in celebration at how powerful it was for each of them. And for me, even though that wasn't words per se and a story per se, we built a story through music which people could relate to and celebrate. I can understand how music can bring people together in a way. It's a bit like sport. It kind of unites people. But I must say I'm at a bit of a loss here around the whole theatre form of communication. So typically what would happen if I was one of your clients and I gave you a brief how would you only go to theater or would you decide there's another way of doing it? So just walk us through why do you make the decision to use theater? And once you've made that decision, how do you put a theater stage together? So if we take half a step back, internal communication generally and employee engagement or employee experience specifically is not a quick in and out intervention in terms of the work that we do, the big difference is around going in at a strategic level, putting together a sustained long-term communication plan. We don't always go to theatre. Often there's no need for theatre. But once we've put a plan together, depending on who audiences are, there's video, there's graphic design, there's animated infographic AVs, beautifully voiced with a with a good music track, etc. Theatre would be quite specific to a particular component of a broader campaign. And most often when we still these days recommend theatre, it's for a group of employees who aren't necessarily digitally connected and where often there's a language barrier. We start with a script, we develop characters, we try to interview where we're able to, depending on our insights into that client already, we would interview various stakeholders, get their opinions on what they already know about what it is that we're trying to communicate, develop characters that people can relate to, and we build that story in that way and, and get the messaging through. If you're going to a mine and you're doing a piece of theatre above ground next to the um, shaft, for example very little technical support required and very little even used. There's no point. If you are going to a venue, we would supplement what we're saying. We can use a screen like you do in traditional theatre. And especially now with, with traditional theatre also introducing more and more technical and digital elements to support the message. So screens that might say, bring out keywords or be running an animation in parallel to a character talking about a particular situation. Um, but really using as much as we have at our disposal to make sure that we get the message across. And then of course, the theatre is no good on its own, you've got to follow it up. And that, in a nutshell, actually, is why I think that we as a company have managed to differentiate ourselves over the last 20 years. A piece of theatre is not enough. Well, that actually leads to another question I wanted to ask you. How do you measure that your communication is being effective? I know it's a tough question, but 
I'm sure that a lot of your clients would ask you that. How do you measure that what you're doing is achieving the results that they want? I believe that the most effective communication programs and communication strategies are developed in companies when there's full buy-in from senior levels of the organization. And HR is the critical, critical partner in this process. So most companies have their organizational effectiveness surveys in place. They have ways of testing how engaged their employees are, culture surveys, wellness surveys, whatever it might be. So when we develop a program, one of the first things we ask is for access to those surveys and those results. And if we're in a place where we've come in at a time where there's a survey about to go out, if we can put in a question or two asking about culture or asking about what the topic is, how do you feel about the company values? How do you feel about your manager? How do you feel about leadership's communication style with you currently and so on? And in that way, we're able to benchmark uh, what the what the current climate is in the organization. So we then can do our work. And then when the next survey comes up, we can re-ask those questions and check whether the results have, have improved. If we don't have access to that kind of material going into our program, we can quickly put together any kind of online survey, send a link via email and ask for responses up front and then retest afterwards to check the efficacy. If you're dealing with a blue-collar workforce that doesn't necessarily have online access, we can do paper-based still, or we can do an online survey that is facilitated by line managers or supervisors or anyone who does have access to that kind of material. And that way we know when we've gone in, this is how people felt, and sometime later this is how people are feeling now. Right. Earlier on you mentioned that humour was pretty important. Can you give us some examples of where you've used humour and how effective it has been? I sometimes think that a few industries out there are a bit too professional and a bit too stuffy, and some of them need to lighten up. What's your view on that? So you raise an important point when it comes to humor, and it's not necessarily about being funny. It's about being lighter. It's about taking communication from stuffy corporate speak into something accessible, engaging, shorter sentences, simpler words, accessibility verbally from that point of view. But what's equally important is how you supplement what's going out around those words. So developing fun email banners around specific topics, breaking up a longer message with an infographic. If you've got a complicated message that you need to deliver, you can write all the words and it can come out like a press release, but no one's interested in seeing that. If you've got an engaging beautifully designed banner at the top of your mailer, a compelling subject line before you've even clicked on the mailer. And then once you've opened it, you've got an introductory piece that tells you what the topic is. The more complex content that people need to engage with doesn't have to be words only. It can be an infographic. You can bring in animation or animated characters. Again, simplified down to its barest bones for ease of understanding. Right. So, Sarah, this is what you've been doing, and your storytelling has been absolutely fantastic uh, up to now. What is next on uh, your plans? 
Well, I've made the very big decision after 20 years to leave Blue Moon and to move ahead on my own. I want to focus on the areas of what I've been doing for the last 20 years that I love the most. I've had a strong production role in Blue Moon and going forward, I'd like to focus more on the communication strategy part of the job. I want to concentrate on content, content direction, steering content, molding content, pulling in the best people to deliver the content in the most compelling way possible. I really want to be able to concentrate on the creative strategy side of communication in the internal employee space. Right, and I think that's a very good space to be because right now content is king. What do you think the new challenges are that companies are facing when it comes to communications? The world's definitely moved towards hybrid spaces, and I don't think we're going back to full-on massive live events anytime soon. Besides, for corporate clients, they've learned that it's more cost-effective to do a hybrid event. And it doesn't have to be just someone sitting in front of a Zoom screen. It's going into a studio with a fabulous set and a fabulous background, bringing in your speakers, supporting your spoken content with amazing visuals and graphics and so on behind the speakers, so that your online at home audience is still having a properly engaging, compelling experience of the content. People are thinking differently about what they expect from work. And that doesn't mean going into a nine to five job, being unproductive for half your life, clock watching and then going home at five o'clock or for more highly engaged people in organizations working from seven in the morning until midnight. The boundaries between life and work blurred during COVID, and I don't think that people ever want to go back to the way that things were. I mean, it's part of the reason why I've made the decision that I have and why I want to move on. In terms of effectively communicating with employees, I think it's going to be more and more important to clearly articulate employee value propositions or the employee experience journey within organizations so that Staff are clear from the moment they enter an organization until they leave what the company offers them, what their role is, what's expected from them in return, what the strategy is, what the company stands for. And to that point, the other thing that is taking more and more priority with companies is instead of just having your kind of business vision and mission, what is a company's purpose? And that, I think, in a lot of ways has been driven by millennials coming into the workforce, millennials who are now turning 40 and starting to lead organizations. And people want a reason to do what they're doing. And it's not just about the bottom line. It's not just all about the bucks. They want to know what the company is doing to give back, how they're going to go about it, how they can be involved as employees, and, and they want meaning in their lives, meaning in their work. So I think going forward, purpose is often going to be the springboard into the development of a communication strategy and a communication rollout, sitting at the apex of everything into which your vision and your mission plug in. The company values are the how we do things around here. The purpose is the why. And it's going to be critical to drive both of those things going forward. So listening has always been around as a form of communication long before any other medium. So 
from my point of view, from using podcasting to reach stakeholders. That's the premise that we're coming from, that the heard word and the spoken word was around long before anything written or anything else technologically wise. Absolutely, Vanessa. And that's why email still remains the least effective way of, of communicating with people. So you're right. Um, tell people a story. They're far more likely to remember, whether it's a CEO delivering a short announcement or whether it's something that's character-driven and, um, and, and more theatrical in approach, even from an audio-only perspective. Podcasting and radio drama and audio communication is it's wonderful. It reaches people far more effectively than the written word ever will. People have different learning styles and ways of understanding messaging. And podcasting and radio drama and so on breaks through language barriers on a different level. Interrogating the written word, and no matter how much one tries to simplify what one's saying on paper or in an email and so on, if it's not your first language, there are nuances that you skip over that you don't hear. If you've got a CEO delivering you a message via a podcast or via a video recording or whatever it might be, there are nuances that you pick up in terms of tone, in terms of emphasis, in terms of identifying what's important to remember and important to understand. And I think that's the big difference with an internal communication company or a PR company where press releases are being whacked out or internal mails are just being whacked out. You're not getting people to actually engage and remember and care about what's on the page. It's too easy to skip over an email. It's interesting to listen to a real human with warmth in their voice and their own personal take and emphasis that comes through from tone that you're never, ever going to get in the written word. Storytelling by its very nature, given that it started off as an oral tradition that gets passed down through time through generations the stories change but the inherent messaging and whatever that pure initial story was remains the same but it's collaborative you can't tell a story to an empty room you need you need a listener you need people to respond you need engagement you need you need your story to be heard for it to even exist or to have any value and what i'm looking forward to going forward is collaborating with writers, designers, strategists, corporates, agencies, whoever it may be, to tell stories and to bring stories to life and to bring people's experiences to life in a way that's meaningful for everyone listening to them. Right. I couldn't agree more. My last question, you're going out into the big world there on your own now and you're going to make your own productions, you're going to be very creative. What medium are you going to use to promote yourself? I need to put my own communication strategy in place and I'm working on it. Well, obviously, social media and LinkedIn specifically are a very good place to start. There's also word of mouth and I've been in this business a long time and I'm hopeful that when I post that I'm beginning this new journey, that there will be some interest in having conversations with me going forward. 
So I, I need to clearly define a plan for myself to keep me top of mind for people when they have a communication challenge that they need addressed. Great. Thank you, Sarah. And we certainly wish you the best of luck. So internal stakeholder communications does not need to be boring and ineffective. There are companies and consultants like Sarah that are out there using interesting and innovative ways to get that important message across to their stakeholders. Ask yourself, what is your company doing to get the very best ways of communicating with your stakeholders? You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.